Hello and welcome to to the Dad and Sons podcast entertainment uh, uh, media product. Um, I have with me, as always, my two lovely co-hosts, Liam Edwards and Matt Visual. Why, hello there. Hello. I'm 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 George Weedman on the other hand, and I would like to inform us of a revolutionary new product. This uh, wait, have we just got a new sponsorship? Is this what is is that what's happening I, here, George? I, I have to admit, we, we are not being officially sponsored by this. I am just so jazzed to but, bring us news of a new lineup of gamer goo. But we do endorse it. We absolutely, positively endorse this this gamer goo that showed up in my inbox the other day. Um, <laughs> wow. And I just wanted to read out loud the press release I got here. Uh, <laughs> banish sweaty palms forever with this specially formulated gaming lotion. Check out our new video below, which highlights three enticing new aromas available now. You know it makes sense. And they have scents spelled with a C, so it's like... Like smelly sense. Gamer Goo brings common sense and all new sense to gamers' hands. Gamer Goo, makers of the world's only dedicated gaming lotion, today announced the launch of three all new scents to its range of uniquely innovative products. Joining the already popular orange, peppermint, and cinnamon varieties are the sweet summer smell of vanilla sugar. The enticing allure of teakwood and the captivating fragrance of cherry blossom. The new scents are all available to purchase now, shipping worldwide via the GamerGoo website. An innovation in gaming skincare and the only product of its type dedicated to enhancing performance of gamers, GamerGoo. Oh, yeah. is designed to improve the gamer grip, as well as increasing accuracy and dexterity by reducing sweat and clammy hands forever. Oh god, I had too much coffee. The unique Gamer Goo formula leaves behind no greasy or damaging residue, and won't damage controllers, keyboards, mice, or accessories. And uh, then they have a link to a, a YouTube video that has less than 300 views, um, no likes, and a single lone solitary dislike. Because they need a live actor in order to make this just funnier. But you can it, see that, that they don't have one. They just have a camera panning across a, a tube of goo sitting Stop like sweaty hands at the source. Yeah, Thicker, that's, that's, that's not healthy. You're not supposed to stop sweat like that all over your body. Is why, it only your hands you, or just... Why, why he said lotion. Sweating. Right, yeah. It's like, is it a moisturizer or a dryerizer? I, you <laughs> dryerizer. So, there's so many gamers that don't use lotion, let me tell you, because they're dry everywhere. So they're not going to know what to do with this. They might put this everywhere. Like, oh, I want to oh, smell like gamer no. goo. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they end up going to the hospital or something. I don't know. That doesn't seem... This doesn't seem... What's it's natural like? to sweat. <laughs> what are you going to say to the people in the emergency room when you have a gamer goo emergency? <laughs> goo emergency. Goo emergency. Doctor, doctor, I didn't know what to do with the gamer goo, and now my my dick fell off. Doc doctor, it's the goo again. Professional gamers and participants in esports will be all too familiar with the debilitating symptoms which can result from intense debilitating. gaming. Namely, debilitating. Namely, oh. namely, a rapid buildup of sweat during heated play. 
Are they sure about that? Wait, do you guys do that? Do you, does everyone in the world sweat profusely all over themselves when playing video games except me? No, I don't sweat at all. Yeah, what's the deal? What's the, what's the, what's the market here? What's uh? What's, I, what's I mean, graphic. I, I could be different. I can't just say the whole world is like me and Liam. Uh, I mean, sure, right, right, right. Like Liam, yeah. you sweat. You you don't sweat, right? I do sweat. I mean, I oh. live in one of the most humid, humid oh, that's places different. in the world. But, but what about so, when, like, sitting in a chair playing a game? <laughs> like, not on my hands, but if they have, like, game of goo for the the crotch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say, I would say use vanilla sugar, you know? Mm. I think that well, would... Ta- talcum powder, right? Like, baby powder. I don't know like if it's baby fucking powder. Like a, like a Be more wrestler. like KY Clap jelly. That shit. Clap that shit in your hands. The special formulation only offered by Gamer Goo keeps hands dry, cool, and sweat, 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 sweat free, allowing the gamer to perform at their best for hours on end. A simple oh, yeah. pea-sized application is all... I should probably clarify that that's P-E-A, not P-E-E. A simple pea-sized application is all that's needed to keep fresh and one step ahead of the competition. Oh shit, maybe this is what I need to keep my KD ratio in Rainbow Six Siege positive. <laughs> oh fuck, man, Matt, if only we knew about Gamergoo, we would have been winning all those Apex Legends we were playing the other yeah, month. Obviously, obviously, getting my chicken dinners, right? Yeah, yeah. So we need Gamergoo, those gamer glasses, the the all the razor gamer products, grub. all the Corsair products. Guzzle down your gamer fuel in your hands, moisturized by gamer Doritos. Goo. Holy <laughs> shit! I actually have a gamer chair. I forgot about that thing. Oh my god! It makes me laugh because it probably does actually make a difference. <laughs> like it just nobody's paid attention whatsoever. Well, they say in the email that this is used by many professional gamers. Gamer goo is the secret weapon to ensuring an edge over the competition. None Getting... who have bothered to promote our three hundred viewed video. Yeah, I, I don't see like them them dropping any names or endorsements or anything. <laughs> Ninja uses. Oh my it. god, are they <laughs> going to get like an extra three hundred views from this podcast? Probably. Oh, more like an extra one hundred. If you <laughs> such a pessimist. Uh, quote: Gamers around the globe. That would still, that would still be one third of their entire view count. Jesus Christ! I, mean... I don't want to be mean about it, but yeah, I kind of really just sort of walked my way into this, didn't I? I'm, I'm being a little. This is a little mean. What, what is gamer mean group? is the fact that you were super excited. You talked all day about this intro. You're like, guys, <laughs> I've got it. And it's like, cool, George. We this trust you. It, you know? It's been it's been two weeks. It's been two weeks. <laughs> Hit him, George. I got it, guys. Gamer goo. Fuck yes. You know that new sound you've been looking for? <laughs> gamer goo. And they just squirt goo, gamer goo. goo into the phone. <laughs> Gamers around the globe are fast discovering the benefits that Gamergoo provides to performance. Our community has welcomed our unique range with open and sweat-free hands and love the distinct fragrances our products offer, says Justin Clark, co-founder of Gamergoo. Why goo? Like, why? I don't... When it comes to, like, naming something, why? Why not, like, high-performing lubricant No, that doesn't roll off the tongue, man. I don't know, gamer guys. Goo. When when I think of gamer goo, I don't. I do not. I Neither definitely does, like, do Razor not think Black of Widow nine thousand keyboard. But you know, wait. Well, you think about lotioning 
lotion being involved, but you don't really think about the lotion being the goo, right? It, it, the, the thing that really drives it home <laughs> is gamer. It says gamer and like pixelated like font, and then you see goo, and it's just. Oh, it's goopy. Wet. It's slimy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, like weird. Like an icky Halloween gross out font. So like a like a like a slime, like a flubber. Like a flubber toy. Yeah, no. 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 They they <laughs> they had to know. They had to know. I'm glad they didn't name it Gamer Gunk or Gamer Goop. Uh I feel like Gamer Gunk is something that's happened. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not glad that they named it Gamer Goo either. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying it could be worse. <laughs> you are. That's why we've spent fucking 10 minutes talking about it. <laughs> we should write a comment. There's only one dislike on this. Just, that's it. No I, likes. It, no comments. It was George. <laughs> it wasn't me. I swear I didn't give the Gamer Goo the single dislike that, that they have on their Gamer Goo video. <laughs> New sense. Wait, there's more? I, I guess there was a preview. Yeah, that's the other thing about this press release is that it implies that this is like an, an existing product that has been extended. There, there was gamer goo in the world and people just didn't know until now. It's this fast delivery. Oh, that's good. Dominate I, I want to. I need my goo now. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm in the mood. I, I need my gamer goo within the next like 10 to 30 minutes. <laughs> Gamer goo peppermint, orange, cinnamon. So that way you can think about the candy store when you're shooting people. <laughs> Gamer goo sports goo. <laughs> I, I don't know why they named it like that twice. <laughs> but yeah, that's one. Jesus. Yeah. 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 That's, they have uh, stickers too. They have stickers. Oh, oh good. Because I really want to let people know that I love my Gamer goo. <laughs> That I keep it in a tube by the computer. We should try and get sent some. We should try it. Oh, we should God. go the whole way. The oh, whole God. Yeah, we need to try it. Remember what happened when we tried to get D David Hayter to do a dumb podcast intro? <laughs> what is this? What do you mean? <laughs> he's going to listen to this episode. That's what he's going to do. He's going to listen to Oh, my God. Yeah. And he's going to think we hate him now. Da David, David Hayter, David, quit denying David. our request for a dumb podcast intro and come yeah, do it. David, yeah, David. David, we were willing to pay you $60, man. 60 freaking smackaroos. He increased, What's wrong with he you? He increased the price to $75 after the first attempt. <laughs> he was like, this will fucking push those guys come away. Come on, David Hayter, is our money not dumb. good enough? You don't realize we have George Super Bunny Metal Gear Weedman. <laughs> Single-handedly took down Konami <laughs> and Liam. I know Jeremy Blaustein Edwards. Yes, two of us know Jeremy Blaustein. Come on, for the love of all that is Christ. <laughs> the name dropping. I'm over here holding my pretzel. <laughs> you're, all right. At least you're not holding your tube of gamer goo. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, welcome back. Well, this is this is nice. I, I we got a fun a fun week planned ahead of us. Um, yeah, we, we yeah, just enough? have to get this out of the way first. We, we, we got enough. fun we, video we games. Probably... Look, David, I'll buy you some lunch, man. <laughs> <laughs> as well as pay him, as well as pay him seventy five dollars. There, there, there we go. I, I feel like we we tried everything now. Yes. How could he say no? 
How how can he say no? But yeah, we're we're back after a, a week break to uh, let let Liam play some Fire Emblem. Well, that like yeah, I guess. <laughs> how how is it? How is uh, 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 Fuego Emblemas Tres Casas? Wow, Fuego's Emblem Tres Casa, Casas, Cas, Casa. <laughs> uh okay is this are we just going are we is this where we're in yep we're, yep we're, we're doing it first into this we're, we're, we're talking about gamer games now instead of gamer goo well guys let me tell you we took a week off we uh i mean i played a lot of fire emblem it required a lot of gamer goo my hands are like two pieces of sandpaper they're so dry and no moisture coming out Wait, of Wait, that things. would be bad for your controllers, wouldn't it? Just like sandpapering your Switch? Ah. <laughs> oh. You're so dry. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. <laughs> all your skin just falling all over uh. your Switch. <laughs> oh, the game you, you see like a little pile of flakes <laughs> underneath the, the spot where you sit when you get up at the end of a session. Oh, the worst part is if you're using the game of you and you're like holding a controller and like you've got a little bit more than a pea size on your hands and it goes like underneath your analog sticks or something and then like a year later you find like crusty old gamer goo hidden away in some crevice of your controller so it's all like dried up and clammy i've been playing fire emblem three houses i have thoughts as usual let's hear let's hear let's hear the thoughts ah where to start um do you think i would like it yes yeah i think so but I think you'd have the same problems I have with it. I literally think you'd have the same issues I have with it. First off the bat, I imagine everybody wants to know what house I chose. Because obviously, the unique thing about three houses, if you didn't know, is it takes place in a school. You somehow are a professor who is pretty much the same age as all of your students. Just so you can get away with fucking them behind closed doors. Yeah, do you really fuck your students as the professor? Well, you yeah, you have romantic relationships, yeah. But that's the Wait, kind of what? situation where like age. It's fire emblem, man. Age is is one factor, but so is the the professional relationships and the the power dynamics yeah, of being in fi- a. Yeah, fire emblem. Fire emblem goes one way, whether it's very much like trying to re. It is always constantly through text, where students are like, "Wow." I couldn't believe you're the professor. You're the same age as us. Oh, uh, you are so young. Uh, you're the young. Like it's always reinforcing that. Don't worry. It's okay to hit on all of these students. No, like, is there a dialogue option that's like so, d- d- Catherine? You really want to pass this class, right? Right? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you know what to do. God a damn piece it! Of power here I come. Uh, n- no, but there is a lot of, you know, typical Fire Emblem stuff, which is romancing, creating partnerships, support, all that kind of good stuff. But yeah, so three houses, you have three houses. You have the Blue Lions, the Golden Deer, well, that's good. and the Black Eagles. And the Golden Deer is like run by like this cocky, handsome prick called Cloud. Really? Who, Claude, sorry. Oh, Claude. Oh, oh. He's a very handsome chap, but he, and he's a bit of a joker. He's like your typical sort of sarcastic pretty boy. And he's like a really good archer and all that. And you're like, ooh, I get what you're all about. And then you have Blue Lions, which is led by Dimitri. Dimitri is pretty much, ah, he's like your goody two-shoes. Like, is this really justice? (laughs) Can we really 
do this. Is it really okay to be fucking our students? Yeah. (laughs) Like, I really feel attracted to my professor. Oh, so, so, yeah. Should, even though I'm the future king. He's, he's like, like a buzzkill. Okay. Future king? He's not, he's not so much a buzzkill. He does, he does have a sense of humor to him, but he's very much the, the justice in all of this so far. So does he try to stop all the student fucking? (laughs) (laughs) No, he more facilitates the uh, partnerships of everybody else. He's like, everybody should get along swimmingly. You're like, I know what you're up to, Dimitri. School orgy. That's what you're going for. Whoa, man. Fire Emblem took a turn. (laughs) The last one you have is the Black Eagles, which is led by Elder God. Jeez. Compensating much? Who is a female. So she's not Elder Goddess. She's she's an Elder God. No. She basically leads who are essentially the Nazis. Oh, Oh, the Empire. Not the bad guys. Just, you know, they're pseudo-German... Frank Empire esque, and you get to play as her. Well, you can't. No, you don't get to play as her. You can choose to look after her house, but she is kind of the like. I'm the strongest. I'm better than everybody else. We don't need any help. We're great. Fuck you all. We're the best. All right. So with all the student, you know, relationships going on, you could play a boy as a girl, boy or a girl. Yeah, so as a professor, you can play as uh, okay. a, a, a male or female pre- professor called Byleth. Even though you can change the name, you can't change the appearance. And one of the f- oh. first negatives, I'll say, is that every line of text in this game is voice acted by the other characters. And it's fantastic, both in Japanese and English. It is an amazing localization job. It is a great voice acting job. All the characters are great. And I'll get into that in a little in a minute. But Byleth, the main character, which you cannot change the appearance of, is like a character. For some reason, they went down that route with like you know Corin and Robin from the previous games. You could change the appearance of and stuff like that, and they didn't talk, which made sense because that you customize the character, right? Whereas everybody calls you Professor, so it doesn't matter what your name is. But the but your character doesn't respond. It's like Link. Going through hundreds of dialogue boxes, talking to people fully voice acted, but doesn't talk back. And just has the most blank, emotionless animations. In all the Zelda games, like, there's a, there's an implication that Link is responding. Like, it'll fade to black, and then the character will be like, oh, that's the adventure you're on? Yeah, I mean, it does have like that, but it's just so jarring because everybody else, and, and like, easily... Three Houses' biggest change. Fire Emblem's always been about characters, right? It, it, You know, Advance Wars was more about the tactics, less the characters, and then Fire Emblem was like, it's tactics, but characters are really important. And it's all about getting to know the characters and all that kind of stuff, especially with Awakening and Fates. It has always been about that since then. And Three Houses goes that oomph level above to do that. And it does an amazing, like, spectacular job. The reason this game is getting so much praise is definitely down to this. It is amazing with its characters. Each character is fully fleshed out, has complete voice acting, has, like, their own sort of cycles during the day where they appear and all this kind of stuff. It's, fanta- it's like, persona level of greatness in that regard, I think. But what brings it down is the fact that your character just doesn't talk and doesn't have any emotion. And compared to all these amazingly well voice acted and fleshed out characters, you're like, why? Why do they do that? 
Like, why? And then you sort of play the game and you realize why. And you're like, ah, it's because this game is terribly, terribly bad tech-wise. Oh, are you talking about those fruit textures? Oh, my good lord. <laughs> so, get, like, get it out of the way. Fire Emblem, it's great. It, like, free houses, if you're interested in Fire Emblem, you like tactics games, you got a Switch, buy this game. It is it's fantastic. It is it is Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem is a formula you can't really... How do the, the, the Battlefield graphics work? Do they still have sprites on a... No, no, they have 3D models. Nice. Okay, that'll be interesting to see. So, this is the thing, right? It is a great game and the whole school thing like instructing your students and trying to like really mid-max their classes and like giving them goals to aim for and stuff is really unique and it's novel and it doesn't really get boring because you're interacting with the characters so much so that's great and i like that and then you get into the battles and even though with like awakening of fates you were like battle little bit of like camp support stuff battle 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 in three houses you will do like three battles, maybe in the first five hours, if you're lucky. It is like flipped on its head. You don't do as much battling as you used to in other games, unless later on in the game you do more. But right now, as of current, during the schoolwork, it like the school takes precedent, and so does the story. Once you get into the battles, it's like it's perfectly great Fire Emblem. It's awesome. It got rid of the uh, weapon triangle system though which is a bit of a miss, but it does make it a bit more challenging because you have to think about things. There's this new battalion system where you can have like a, a unit like as a leader. Do uh, they still have have an undo button? Yes, they have like kind of, you know how like uh, Shadows of Valentia had the Miller's turn wheel or whatever yeah. it was called? Yeah. Like it has a system like that in it good which is i haven't really had to use so far because this game so far even though i'm playing on classic hard isn't that challenging so far but i'm sure i'll have to use it at some point yeah that really makes a difference it's great it's fire emblem it's it's better it's tweaked it's great all the stats you can really feel the progress of each of your characters and all the units work together it's great but man this game is <laughs> ugly oh no Ugly, like your mama. Ugly, wow. ugly. Wow, jeez, that was personal. It's it's so ugly. Like the character, it's so. I like. I I've listened to a lot of people talk about it, and a lot of people like the style, and I get what they're saying. Like the character designs and every character stands out greatly because they have that cel shaded like anime style, and it's awesome. It's great, and all the characters are unique and wonderful and whatever like that. It's typical Fire Emblem, what you've come to expect. But with the expansion of trying to do this 3D world and, like, the school and everything, tech-wise, it's a mess. It's so ugly. So ugly. Just Google some screenshots of gameplay. Like, George, you were talking about that fruit tweet, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, the fruit in the market is, like, an old PS2 mesh of, like, PNGs of apples. Do you think it was a, a, a 3DS game at first that, that kind of had a, a... No, no, I don't think so. I just think it huh. was... I think it's probably been in development before the Switch came out. It wasn't aimed for 3DS. It was always aimed for the Switch. They just, you know, maybe didn't know how to develop for it quite as well as they can now. But yeah, there's popping textures everywhere when you run around. 
And the problem is, like, you're running around the school, and the school just feels empty because it's like, you remember old PS2 RPGs? You think of, like, Final Fantasy X, right? Mm-hmm. Beautiful art direction and all that kind of stuff, which Fire Emblem for the school does not have. It's very plain stone buildings. But, you know, you would go into basically box rooms, and it would just be the floor and the walls, and there would be no, like... 3D decorations or objects placed around because you couldn't have... Like a, a lack of clutter. Like a lack of clutter, right? Fire Emblem is the same. You'll walk into areas of the school and it just won't have anything. Like, it will be the walls and the floors and that's it. And maybe, like, a plant pot in the corner. Because they don't have, like, the memory or the optimization to, like, fully flesh this school out. So it just becomes, like, an empty husk. Like, they bank so much of the game on, like, you living in the school and doing all these things which is another thing all of the actual quests you do in the school are fetch quests in which you teleport between all of them Mm -hmm. they're super boring and pointless so like while this game is really good like a fire emblem game is good like the battling and the characters and the supports and the conversations and the decisions you get to make all of the new stuff I have to admit, is is just not that great. At least it's, it's ugly. Fire Emblem on the Switch. Yeah, and I feel like that is cool. Being able to take this 3D Fire Emblem with me, and once you're in the battles and stuff, it's back into like, yeah, fuck yeah, this is a 9 out of 10 game. The battles are amazing, just like all Fire Emblems. And even when you go back to the school and you get to talk to the, you get to go around the school talking to the students, it's awesome. It's just the the other stuff they're trying to do. They're trying to do these like persona esque quests where you help people out after school and teach them to do stuff. But it's all like fade to black, pop in, deliver this, fetch quest this, go do this, and it's just like there's no substance to any of it. It is like time killing chores just to grind stats out. And you're like, that is just a bit of a wasted opportunity. It's a bit of a swing and a miss. There's a lot of that these days. Uh, There is a lot in this game where it's just like, you were so close to something perfect, but you pulled it down a little bit. When did developers decide that we want more boring fetch quests in video games? I'll give you an example of how the game flow will run, right? So you have like a monthly calendar, and then on the Monday of every week, you choose to instruct your students. So then what you do is you choose that you have like action points, And you will choose the students you want to use those action points on. And they have goals. And then you will, like, teach them about certain things like sword arts or lance arts or bow arts or magic and all that kind of stuff, right? And that raises their stats. So you do that. You instruct them in this. And you carefully pick their goals to do this. And then they all level up. And as the the days go through the week, there's, like, always a cutscene where you don't do anything. You just watch them studying. And then you'll get to Saturday, and Saturday you have, like, four choices. You can explore the school, which means you can do loads of fetch quests for people. Oh, this is why people are calling it, like, Persona, because there's days of the week you gotta care about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to to carefully choose what you want to do, because you can't do everything. Okay, that's, that's, I've always liked those systems. Yeah, yeah, it is cool like that. Like, you have to choose who are the people you want to focus on as well, because you know if you go explore, then you can talk to certain people. Or if you have, like, a seminar, you can bring in guest professors to teach your students extra stats. And then pick them up. Or you can do battles, and you can do, like, sub-battles, and grind and get higher level experience. 
So you have to choose, and I always choose the battles for the most part because it's the fun part of the game, and also you level up faster. But if you go and explore, you will be given like a main quest, which is always to talk to the house leader and do something. And then you will just walk around the school, like fetch questing things for people, speak to somebody, teleport to the place where the item is, get the item or talk to the person, and then teleport back. Yes, you can use your action points to like eat food with them and raise your bonds, but there's like just no substance to it whatsoever. Just give me more battles, less school, more battles. School is for fools. Are you trying to say Persona is bad? Is that what you're saying, Liam? Persona? All the Personas are terrible? No, because there's... Damn, all the Personas? Not even one of them you like? Jesus. Two weeks, man. You couldn't. You just couldn't hold off, eh? No, like, I don't know. I think I'm being massively negative because I'm such a fan of the series. And there is a great Fire Emblem game in there. Like, th these are the best characters in any Fire Emblem game for me so far. They're amazing. I chose Blue Lions. I stuck with Goody Two Shoes, Justice Boy, Dimitri. And, like, I'm loving the characters. And I'm loving the battles. And I'm loving the way they interact with each other. Petra, my best girl in the world. Goat. She's amazing. She can't talk English properly. She's got cute purple hair. And she's great. And all the characters are amazing. Just... Give me, like, some substance with the gameplay outside of battles. Let me, like, if you like, let's do cooking. Give me, like, a cooking mini game or something. Don't, like, fade to black and just, like, watch a pan raise some smoke. Well, speaking of uh, uh, Matt having having two weeks of, of, of pent-up social aggression that, that needs to come out here, what, what have you been up to, Matt? <laughs> Wow. Uh, well, um, I haven't done this in a while. And to be honest, I have no idea why, because I've been watching a lot of stuff. Netflix, no chill. Uh, I have a lot of sci-fi. So I'm going to make this a sci-fi episode. Wait, 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 yeah. wait. You yeah. told us you were complaining last week that you didn't get a chance to talk about like your game of the year. The best game ever. Listen, listen. Best game you've ever played. People want to hear life. some good TV to watch. Okay? I'm tired of you guys interrupting my Netflix no chill section. <laughs> All right? I'll be quick. The I Am Mother. Watch that. That's fun. If you like robots, it's going gonna, it's gonna wet to your, wet your nipples just, just a tad. <laughs> the OA. Season two. You might want to stay away from season two. <laughs> season one, it was like, you know, always on that line of almost believable. And then season two, they just skyrocket into the space and, and whew. You're, you're, you're going to want some gamer you goo definitely for that want one some for gamer your nipples. Goo. They're not going to be moist. Yeah. Dark is pretty good. It has that feel of Lost where you just don't know where the hell is going on. I've just finished season one of Dark, and I think it is, like, one of the best seasons of TV I've watched. Really? Yeah. I, I, no, I, Did you watch it in German? Yeah, of course. Come on. Yeah, of course. Like, th th there's, no, there's no other way. Some of the, it's like watching anime where um, there's a lot of emotional scenes, and you just <laughs> try mm. to hear the, the American actors try to channel that, and it just doesn't sound good. <laughs> like, no. Man, yeah. though, like, Donk's use of music 
And oh, the music is phenomenal. And cinematography is just like out of this world. It. My problem is the carrot on the stick. That that, that is a problem for me. Is that the sound of of gamer goo getting squirted out too hard? <laughs> so yeah, there 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 is. Oh, I I should. A side mention, the nanny. That's a good show. <laughs> with, with, you know, you guys never heard of the nanny. I haven't heard of any of these. The nanny. Doc is, Doc is the best. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> with Fran Fine? No. Okay. Okay. Nanny. Never mind. No one knows about good old TV shows. Okay. Whatever. Instead, um, we know about Gamer Goo. Yeah, yeah. We also want to know what Matt's like game of the year is. Yeah, come on. It's not game of the year. I just you really like, enjoyed. It's my game of the year. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we gotta see that quote. Uh, Outer Wilds was pretty dope. I finished it. Um, I would say the the end for me was a little weird. I guess it couldn't end any other way. Just weird as hell. It's hard to end games like that. But it was good. I really enjoyed it. I I was probably one of the best games I played this year. That actually came out this year. But that wasn't what you wanted to talk about. I played... You guys are never going to guess this one. This came out... Can we try? Can we try? Yeah. September... Give us, give us some okay. clues. We're bringing back the original game. Late mm. last year. Okay. Well, it's not RDR2. It's RDR2. No, we and already talked about RDR2. Matt didn't. It has some... It's an RPG. Like an actual RPG. He's eight. It has some MMO elements. Oh god! Final Fantasy fourteen. The only game you need. Hell no. Oh god! <laughs> I don't. I probably though around September. Yeah. Wait, wait. MMO elements. Yeah, I don't remember anything fitting that description off the top of my head from late Me last year. Me either. I didn't even know this existed. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I, I want to think. I want to think. Is it some really weird, obscure thing? I don't think it's obscure. Like, let's see. Octopath Traveler? It has like a good, like 6,000. No, not Octopath. Like 6,000 reviews on Steam. Like, it's not that obscure. Crosscode? There it is. What Cross the code. hell is Crosscode? Exactly. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, this got really good reviews, right? Yes. Okay, so it's a long game. It's a long game. It's an and RPG. It is RPG. I can't say that it's because it makes you do some of these um, these MMO quests because you are in an MMO. Um, so you get some of that like. Wait, it's not really an MMO though, right? It's not. But they have characters running around. You have players that can you can invite to your party. Like it's. They Wait, make but you it's feel, all single player. It's all single player. Interesting. So it like emu so it's like that goat simulator MMO. <laughs> I never played that one. Man, my frame of reference is fucked. <laughs> yes. You still hit the podcast with Gamagoo. We're not expecting much from you. <laughs> Even I'm not. <laughs> About time. But the combat is fun. Um it has a huge tree. Um, it's all about speed, right? Like uh, every video I see, like people fucking like jumping quick, around the world yeah. at like, insane good. pace. A lot of dodging. You a lot can of parry. Fun explosions. It looks like. Yeah. And How does the combat work? 
Um, well, uh, you have like a basic combo, but then you have like these arts that you can switch around um, depending on which element you're on. And you always have like, you have a lot of different uh, um, like melee arts, throw arts. They're all different and all of them can be switched. Guard arts when you're guarding, like when you guard, you can have a one that puts a flame around you. You can have one that shoots out like a constant damaging wave it's it's really really interesting and you could do like different builds with, with that um you know some things heal you so you can have that and switch to something else to do some more damage um it's all like a, a balance between them all and you can basically be, become all powerful uh <laughs> with all that it's, it's 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 pretty dope the thing with this game though is the puzzles and how it, it's like short of brilliant i don't know how to describe it like it's it just it's on like that line where you walk into a room and you're like oh my god what the hell is this but it's it's not too hard you can figure it out and that satisfaction of you getting through it is always so so good they build you up to some of these puzzles they make they start you with the concept like just like other games yeah um, but the concept of it is so cool because it's like using what you already know and they kind of stretch that across different puzzles. And it's it's so interesting to see. Like every every dungeon, it's just like, what? Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, I get this. I, except the wave thing. The wave thing annoyed me. But other than that one, it's, it's pretty solid. The dungeons are pretty solid. I actually enjoyed the uh, the puzzles. Uh, quite a lot and the boss fights the boss fights are also kind of like a puzzle and it's incredible and i think that's why it has high reviews like it's it's nuts man that game is great how did you end up playing it seems pretty out of your realm i was looking up for good indie rpgs well it has those mmo elements and that, that, that's matt's thing yeah, yeah exactly so it was like up my alley. Um, that, that that's like the only thing I would say that's annoying is you know the quests. Some of these quests are kind of like at least in the beginning are really boring, or sort of boring, depending on what you like. But they're they're like LMO quests, you know, and there is a little bit of goofiness to it. But you know, overall, it's it's quests that eh, it's all right. But other than that, I I, I really enjoy the game. Quite a bit, quite a bit, and it's like it's a long game. Like it's probably like over thirty hours or so. Damn, is it out on Switch now? I think it's already out on Switch. Uh, yeah, I think I saw a trailer when I was googling for it. I'm kind of intrigued. I I remember looking at it last year and thinking, "Wow, this game is getting pretty high reviews and does look fun." It's release date, yeah. It's just currently set to 2019 without anything more specific. Ah, uh, I'll probably wait for it to come out on Switch then, if it's already out. They keep updating it as well. They keep changing some stuff and like making it better and stuff. So, um, uh, all that's probably gonna get on Switch. They probably have a big update coming out with Switch because like they added the arena stuff like that. They, I guess they're trying to make little things feel like an MMO. I don't know. It's cool. It's cool. It's a good game. I I recommend it if you uh, if you're an MMO player and you want a good indie RPG to play. For sure. It's definitely scratching that itch real hard. Real hard. I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding now. 
stop put rub <laughs> some gamer goo on it oh god <laughs> don't <laughs> the healing poison. ointment too okay yeah, a gamer ointment ointment is such a gross word for such ointment. a like nice clean feel product ointment Yo, pass the ointment. God, you can't say Yo, that without kind of pass the ointment. shrinking your 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 tubes a bit harder than than usual. Ointment. It's like it's nasally. It's like like a few syllables off from just oinking like a pig. Oh, oh. All right, oh, I got a girl's coming over. Let me pull on my gamer goo. All right, I got a bunch of little smaller updates on several games i've been playing man it feels like the end of an era over here i finally finished subnautica i finally finished watching the the, the hbo rome series i finally finished the wargroove campaign you finally finished ass creed no i still i'm still working on ass creed okay so it's not the end of an era because it's almost the end of an era we're getting real close how do you play multiple games how do you do that I had a bus ride uh, to the parents' house, so I um, played Wargroove uh, on the Switch, finished it up. Still, the campaign is the weakest part of that game, but it has steadily over the past year turned into like one of the most appreciated purchases I think I've made. There is so much content to go through here, and, and a lot of it is better than the campaign, including custom campaigns players have been making. There's uh, little adorable remakes of Fire Emblem and Advance Wars in Aww, Wargroove. that's adorable. Yeah, you have the Wargroove cast playing Fire Emblem characters. So you remember how there was the dog, right? Yeah. The dog will just straight up talk in the role of like General Sid or whatever his name is from Advance Wars. And little uh, stage play cutscenes that have the characters of Wargroove pretending that they're characters from other franchises. There's one custom campaign where you play as the dog going on a majestic adventure across the land getting pats from people. And it's really clever how this guy built it up. They'll have a cutscene where a character will be like, good boy, Caesar. Now who's the greatest uh, uh, Wargroove character in the world? Go left if it's me. Go right if it's someone else. And then it'll put you in a map. And the victory condition will determine uh, the 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 left and right hand corners of the map will determine whether or not you meet the victory condition based off of a little quiz they give you in the cutscene. And there's like there's no combat to that. It's it's a boolean yes or no answer of a win condition, but it's still really clever to see some of the stuff people are building up in this thing. And after that, I also dug out the old 3DS and played some ancient stuff. I played more of RE Revelations, and that gets way different than what I was expecting. There's some Titanic style areas that look like like the first class of that that uh not John Carpenter. Who's the director of the Titanic movie from the nineties? James Cameron. I know it began with the J. It was J J C someone. <laughs> oh my god, a Bob J C um yeah there's some <laughs> scenes that look like uh uh James Cameron's Titanic where where that first class area has these these grand orange candlelit opera halls with with black and white checkered floors and with the the survival horror motif it gives this this bioshock feel that um is a totally different atmosphere than than what the first introductory parts of the game throw you through and uh yeah no good stuff is like good like budget resident evil I played some demos I played the demo for Azure Striker Gunvolt which is like fine it's weird to me though to think that this might have actually been a more 
polished, well-received product than Mighty Number no. 9, because I remember when this game first came out, it was kind of plugged into the promotional engine for that game instead. It's made by a good studio. Empty Creates, yeah. They they also yeah. made Galgun, of all things. They they made these, like, badass pixel art side-scrollers, and then on their lineup is Galgun, sticking out like a sore thumb. They made the, uh, what is it, uh, the Bloodstained spinoff? Mm, yes, yeah, they... They, they they have some good side scrollers in their staple state stable and then there's galgun anyways and then i played the demo for detective pikachu and boy oh boy was that not what <laughs> that name means nowadays have you guys played the the 3ds game of detective pikachu no i never played it matt matt any in any interest at all in in 3ds game in uh detective in pikachu no, no. Yeah, okay. Well, that's that's fine then because um there there there's a free demo where you can check it out and know for yourself that it's actually really disappointing. I thought it was received okay over there. I mean, I think it, I think the novelty for some people is enough to carry its absent lack of gameplay. Maybe it's just different playing it in a post Detective Pikachu movie world. Because the Detective Pikachu movie had a great sense of humor and irony and self-awareness and art direction and development to it that this game has none of. It's uh, very clearly made for kids, but it's still patronizing in how easy the uh, investigative puzzles are and how much is is explained to to you in a very... Very, very simple, almost patronizing language style. It it does not use the 3D at all. That's it's a completely 2D title on the 3DS, and that's weird. That's strange. There's no main menu or options menu in the game. I kept getting really paranoid whether or not I was actually allowed to to leave or whatnot, and how the the autosave systems works because you can't press start and get a pause menu with the save and quit function. Yeah, I don't know. Like like Professor Layton for four year olds is kind of what it feels like, and the art style looks really flat and plastic and soulless like uh the the townspeople npcs look like they're from sonic unleashed like they're an off-brand dreamworks they don't have have a, a visually stylish japanese flair to them nor do they have the 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 kind of irony and humor that the the quote-unquote live action pokemon of the detective pikachu movie do it's it's all it's all plastic toys in a plastic toy world where everything is is too clean and and also lacking clutter. And I spent the most time over the past week trying to get into Rome Total War 2. Yeah, you've been live streaming it, right? Yeah, I have. I have and I I I I gave it a shot. I'm I'm really interested in the Three Kingdoms game that just came out. Are you not the commander you thought you once thought you were? No, not not in this one at least. The AI in Pathfinding has a lot of units, completely forgetting the orders I'm giving them. A good commander doesn't blame his soldiers. I'm, I'm installing a total conversion mod called Divide et Imperer, and I, I wonder if, if that'll fix some of the problems. If not, I'm just going to move on. But the thing, <laughs> I really loved the original game when I was a kid. It had such a great sense of flavor and, and place. Uh, you would click on a town and, and see a, a 
one third of the screen all of a sudden pop up with the town management screen that had renders of the buildings. You would hear flavor ambient audio, like like you'd click the town and you'd hear crowd noises and a horse whinnying and and wheels with of carts going on cobbled streets. And here the towns, you don't have to click on them. They're like little spreadsheet graphs that are permanently stamped on your UI at all times. And the the management system uses a drop down menu style like it's it's based off of a lot of mouse rollover that causes inaccurate misclicks and bad mouse movements that I didn't want to do that end up getting rid of menus because you don't click on an icon in the interface to make a, a drop down menu appear. You roll over it and it drops up and it's a tiny, tiny little square on my 1440p display that is so easy to ever so slightly <laughs> nudge my mouse out of the way and it's uh it doesn't toggle these menus on the screen it's it's all determined by mouse rollover rather than mouse clicking and that's how the hell i'm seriously wondering if there's an option that i missed in the options menu that fixes this cuz i don't understand how they would have thought this was okay cuz if you barely bump the mouse you all of a sudden uh, I, I delete your menus away into the, the void of, of history and uh, <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll keep it going I'm I'm starting up a new RPG called Age of Decadence that also has the, the Rome antiquity theme going on and I'll probably be talking more about that next week but yeah I've, you just want to get your Rome fixed I really you just, do you just want your Roman you're like a weird Roman fetish. Aromaboo? I'm totally going through a Romaboo phase right now. A Romaboo phase. Yeah, no, Rome Rome <laughs> explains a surprising amount of, of modern history that are Matt's playing like an RPG. He's going through his Weaboo phase. Now you're like wow. Romaboo phase. Mm, yeah. And 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 I'm I'm okay with this. This is this was made by uh some Germans, I think. So um Yeah, me. it was like a Kickstarter, wasn't it? Cross code yeah. originally. Or an Indiegogo, whatever it was. Oh, they they used to be the Holy Roman Empire. So, so you're a you're a German boo. Sorry if it wasn't German. I don't know. <laughs> I know, I know somewhere <laughs> over there. <laughs> somewhere over there. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm trying to look. How do you look for that? How do you I guess how do you look for what? Creators of a video game? Yeah, where they're located. I'm not oh, oh, I, I usually Google the developer and then type in headquarters. And a lot of times Wikipedia will have it listed. But if you Google for headquarters, it'll also bring you to their about page on their website. Well, they will um, list where they're from. Does it have voice acting in German or is it like originally written in German? Was it originally made in English? No, no voice acting. No voice acting. All reading. I remember the uh, gothic games from Piranha Bytes definitely had some weird English translations, but it makes me a little sad sometimes when these foreign developed games are not not made for their like own original native language first. That's why watching Dark in German is a, a fucking great experience. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's good. Subs over dubs, folks. Subs over dubs. Sub dubs. But yeah, I've been I've been playing a lot more games than usual and don't uh don't want to focus on any one of them too much though cuz 
because I I don't want to run us out of time here. I think you, I think you should play Fire Emblem though. George. I bet I would really like it. Like I just finished War Groove, and that totally. I don't know if I want to say it scratched a Fire Emblem itch because it really did just make me want to play an actual Fire Emblem game. <laughs> this is definitely like different, mm. but you should try it. And I want to see what house you choose, mostly because I just want to see what house you choose. I want to know what type of person you are. I, I loved Fire Emblem Echoes to death, and I miss it already. And I, I, I wanna, I wanna get back into that itch of um, like, like something about preserving units and marching them in formations and and keeping massive amounts of people alive is like it's really satisfying. It makes you feel. Like, Liam, you were talking in the stream, actually, about how, how this stuff can make you feel smart when the game really comes together, and I love that feeling. That's why I like strategy, tactic games, but, you know, it's like when I was watching, I watched a little bit of you playing Total War, and don't get me wrong, anybody who likes those games, it's great for you, and I wish I could do that. It just is too much. And I imagine if you pull that kind of stuff off in, in like, Rome Total War and all that, you feel like a god. Like a god, truly a god. Even Fire Emblem, just getting two units who have a good enough support to like nick three HP extra off an enemy <laughs> to to save you from certain death on the next turn makes you feel like the smartest dude in the world. Yeah. Like you have a look at their passive stats and you're like, there's like a character called Sylvain. And then like, if he's next to a woman, he has like a plus three defense or something. Wait, really? Like, That's how he works? Yeah. Be yeah, because he's like a, he's like a playboy. Like his personality, like a lot of the... the so he has like, like a, a trait status, pickup artist, plus three morale when next to women. Yeah, that's what's really good about this Fire Emblem. It is all about the characters. It's not like, the other games were great. You'd, re you'd recruit them based on the class though. You'd be like, oh yeah, this guy's like a ninja. I want a fucking ninja. That'd be amazing. But this is like, no... Sylvain is like who he is. He's like playboy. He's like always talking about like hitting on women and stuff. He's a bit of a like a skis bag. But his like passive stat is that he can like perform better when he's like next to a woman. And you're like, okay, there might be girls watching. You got to try extra harder. Exactly. So like you try and put him next to a woman all the time. And there was a time when he got attacked. <laughs> And he, like, had extra defense that saved his ass because he was next to a, uh, a female unit. Wow. It was, it was, it was amazing. What a claim of it, it made me, as the commander, feel smart. Cool. Well, I, I will probably be picking it up at some point over the next few weeks. Um, until then, that's, that's... Gotta get it in before Astral Chain comes out next month. This month. Oh, God, it's August 1st today. Oh no! Until, until then, that's that's our gamer goo and our our games of the week. We'll be getting into news. Our games of the week. News and listener questions after this following break. Has Tony Hawk gone insane? Tricking off a fire truck, a cop car, and freeway traffic? It's Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Three with eight massive living levels that let you trick off of everything. Choose from thirteen skaters. Create a skater, a skate park, even play online. Hey Liam. Hello there. You ever have any any nightmares about old school or workplace drama that that comes back to you in your sleep? 
Are you asking me if Rockstar have a trained sniper on me right now? Yeah, we're, we're going to be getting into something about one of your former employees for this week's... Employers for this week's news. I wish I had employees. <laughs> yeah, Rockstar North is... Which is the Edinburgh office in the UK is in the news this week for taking advantage of a tax relief program that has seen them go without paying corporate tax in the UK for over the past decade. There is a tax relief program that's um, designed to take advantage of, of medium to smaller sized game developers that have games that have something to do with British culture. But as it turns out, Rockstar North's GTA V, which which is a, a very American-feeling game that takes place in a parody American city, qualified and had them receive a benefit in about forty-two million pounds in tax credits that amounts to about 19% of the total relief paid to the entire UK game industry since 2014. If you guys want to take a look at what it takes to to earn 20 billion pounds in, in tax credits there is a list that you can go to on uh, the bfi.org website that lists what it takes to, to qualify and it's surprisingly lax i don't know what sort of dream game ideas we have in mind here but if if your game takes place in the uk or in eea state well, i mean it doesn't have to because GTA, GTA proves it doesn't have to. It, it doesn't have to, but you need 16 points, and you get 4 points if you set your game in the UK or in EEA state. And so when I was reading this, I was thinking, EEA state? I don't know what that terminology means. I assume it's some like like something to do with, with Britain or the UK, some provincial division of, of territory among the islands there. And no, it turns out that that's basically the european union it's it's the european economic area which includes austria belgium bulgaria croatia republic cyprus Czech republic Dem D denmark estonia so still France, latvia lithuania luxembourg malta netherlands poland portugal romania slovakia basically europe if the game takes place in europe you're good but gta doesn't no are the lead characters british or eea citizens or residents which seems kind of redundant GTA fives has none. No, it, it it also seems redundant for the like the previous category, which is taking place in a in a setting where the characters would be uh, uh, from that setting, right? Third qualifier is the video games based on on British subject matter or relates to an EEA state or underlying material, which again seems totally redundant and just like the previous two questions. Uh, you can get four points for that. The next four points comes from. Original dialogue recorded mainly in English or one of the six UK indigenous languages, which I highly doubt is going to mean it's going to find an audience. But yeah, using the English language gets you four out of the 16 points you need to qualify for this tax credit. <laughs> uh. Four more points comes if the video game represents or reflects British creativity, British heritage, or diversity. The only... One of these that I could see it qualifying for, well, definitely using the English language, but also the video game based on British subject matter. I wonder if they tried to make the argument that it's a uh, satirical outlook on American culture from a British perspective. That's what it is. That's how they frame it. 
And a lot of people don't realize that. When I was tweeting about this, I got people in replies who who had assumed that the game was made in Rockstar's uh, New York or LA offices, and that is not the case with GTA, as as Liam can attest. I mean, technically, the guys who write it write it in New York, but they are two British guys. And the core development, though, is the the Edinburgh studio with its three hundred sixty. Say that again. Ed, 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 Edinburgh. No, you're going to make fun of me. <laughs> Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Edi- Edinburgh. God, no, I can't. No. Edinburgh. All right. Edim- Edinburgh. Let, let's get back to, to... Rockstar North is in Edinburgh, and they are the core GTA 5 studio. Yes. Oh, GTA studio in general. They're the core development studio. They were the first Rockstar office. They are what DMA designs were... When they made Lemmings and the original GTA, and then the Hazard Brothers came in, changed it into Rockstar, and that's where it all began. And GTA is regarded as such a uh, American-centric thing nowadays that it's hard to forget, or hard to remember, actually. One of the most defining cowboy games of all time, RDR <laughs> and RDR2, Rockstar North have a giant poster of Arthur Morgan on the front of their office, and it says Red Dead Redemption 2 underneath it, made in Scotland. <laughs> They have it right on the front of their office. Remember when, when the original GTA had an expansion pack that took place in London? Mm-hmm. GTA London. Not, not, not many people do. So we get more, more points towards our tax credit if at least 50% of the conceptual development or storyboarding or programming or design takes place in the UK, which they would absolutely qualify for. Yes, 100%. At least 50% of the music recording or audio production or voice recording takes place in the UK. I don't know No, I don't, I don't think that happens. Yeah. No, because the the it's made by Laszlo, and Laszlo is in America. And they're they're they license mostly American uh, music for their soundtracks, right? They make the radio studios definitely in America. So we got conceptual development. Uh, uh, we got credits for that. We got original dialogue recorded mainly in English. So we got six out of sixteen. Section D of of this tax credit requires your personnel. To, to be project leaders, script writers, composers, artists, programmers, designers. Uh, if at least one of the seven key HODs is an EEA citizen or resident, you also get points for that. I just Google search for what HOD could stand for, and that's Halkick Organ Donor Society, a, a religious organization founded in 2001 by Robert Berman by increasing donation to Jews from the general public. I don't think it's really that, is it? <laughs> uh, if at least 50% of the development team are, are European citizens or residents, you get points too. So that's how they got it. Because they used the English language and most of the development was in Britain. And with a cheat sheet like that, it seems like it would be hard as hell for any game made in Europe, much less Britain or the UK. Wait, no, isn't that like kind of the same thing? No, because the tax credit would only happen in the UK. The British taxes don't apply in Europe. It doesn't mean anything. So they would need a, a distribution office, some kind of shell company over there, which is how it works. Like, you guys remember that video I made on the, the tax breaks Activision was getting by just having an office with no one in it in the Netherlands open yeah. up? Jesus. But Christ. this is Rockstar North. We're specifically talking about Rockstar North. We're talking about one of the three or four Rockstar Studios in the UK that had the tax break. That, that did the core development work for the highest grossing media of all time. 
Yep, and Jeez. they don't pay above minimum wage for QA or lower wow. staff. Jeez. It's disgusting. Jeez. It's disgusting. The only way you earn a livable wage at Rockstar, well, back in the day, I don't know if it's there, the same now, but was to work overtime, which was mandatory. So Jeez. it was a broken system. And and of course, this this is all very legal and and very encouraged. If if uh, you've ever taken an economics course in a college, there's there's a lot of mental gymnastics they they teach you about how these how these business people justify it, how how economic rationality is basically reducing your entire consciousness to that of a robot crunching the numbers and morally justifying whatever the 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 maximized profit math you need to do is it's i'm i'm sure we pay our taxes yeah i pay my i'm fine <laughs> that's a bad joke <laughs> no that no, no, no. <laughs> you mean you wish yeah, you did i wish i didn't i wish i could trump it up but i can't you can't do that no they'll come after no, me we we can't trump it they'll up coming after me quick did you guys read the that New York Times piece about how during the '90s Trump was actually the had the largest losses of any American in his tax forms? Anyways, it, wait, wait. Uh, I want to ask: Do you think the at least the UK developers see seen a little, a little check come in the mail because of this? Oh yeah, totally. They got a credit for it. They didn't pay taxes. They got a credit for it. Forty-two million. Not the bigwig guys. Not the. Oh, you mean by developers, you mean actual sitting at a computer developing video games developers? Uh, no. (laughs) I imagine some of them did. I mean, it depends on your position. Okay. Because they're the reason why they got it, so... That trickle-down economy doesn't work. Okay. No, it's just... Take two or just, like, make as much money as you can in any way possible. And that seems like the easiest right, way. Right, like, right. It, I mean, as George laid it out, fucking right. easy, easy money, easy legal, money. legal, easy money, morally bankrupt. But sure, and whatever. over here in the states, this is exactly the fucking reason why it's so hard to budget for a national health care program. Oh man, oh man, one day. What else is going one day, on in dude. the world? One day. <laughs> uh, Bethesda had a bad week. I'm I'm sure you guys have seen the memes on Twitter uh, this past week. I oh, you know what this means? I missed a fantastic opportunity to make a joke about how you need a Bethesda.net login to continue this podcast. Oh my, th- that <laughs> that's the story of your YouTube career. Okay, Liam. Okay, you need a Bethesda.net login to make that joke. That was a pretty good retort. Bethesda released some new Doom ports. Everyone was really excited for a couple hours, and then everyone got really mad for the next two days. Because uh, you have to log into a game from, like, 1993. Yeah, yeah, you... Okay, Ugh. I guess we could turn this into a conversation about our favorite ones. It really clicked with me how sad this is when I saw um, Mario getting to Toad at the end of a castle in Mar- Super Mario 1, and Toad's just like, thanks, but you need a Bethesda.net account to continue. <laughs> uh, what is the world coming to? They also removed the Xbox 360 era Xbox Live Arcade versions of Doom 1 and 2 from the backwards compatibility program. So for a couple days, uh, if you were an Xbone owner, 
you had to go through some hoops to re-download a version of Doom that you might have already purchased that was supposed to be working on your system that uh, the, 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 the gamer outrage at the time was assuming that this was to prompt people to rebuy the game on the newer versions. But uh, Bethesda's claiming that this is all a glitch. Bethesda released a statement about two days later for the Xbox Live Arcade versions saying that there was an error with the functionality today, but this has been fixed. Um, a day after the uh, Doom ports released and got all this negative publicity for the Bethesda login, they said that this Bethesda login was an unexpected requirement. The login should be optional, and we are working on changing the requirement to optional now. The Bethesda Net login was included for the Slayers Club to reward members for playing the classic Doom games. The Slayers Club! <laughs> <laughs> How does something like that, that I assume gets tested in, in the QA department hundreds of times to make sure the logins work, how in the world can the higher-ups then claim that this was supposed to be optional all along when th they made like a Unity wrapper for Doom to, to include this login screen? Yeah, you, you were like saying, what is the world coming to? And, and it's... It's depressing. I was talking about this Total War game earlier, and, and to launch it, you have to launch through a secondary layer of a launcher that has all the DLCs and other sequels in the franchise that are grayed out if you haven't purchased them. It's like you can skip past it and then go to the main menu screen and and try to ignore it, but it's a reminder. There's like, it's so much more greedy than it was before. Everything is. Wolfenstein Youngblood also came out, got sort of mixed reviews. I'm, I'm a little bit interested, might pick it up with a friend when it's on the cheap. But uh, those mixed reviews cited a leveling system that has a lot of the enemies in the game overpowered above the game's normal difficulty curve. And in a, in a typical Borderlands-style looter shooter, there would be some prize hidden behind these enemies, but since it's still working off of the framework of the current Wolfenstein, what's supposed to be a trilogy, there's there's not a like loot treasure RPG system, even though these enemies are leveled above the character's abilities via a, a experience grindy RPG system. You can circumvent that curve by killing more enemies or purchasing with real money premium gold bars. They released a patch, the very first patch that this game got, was a hotfix specifically designed to prevent players from using Cheat Engine to spawn coins that are going to smooth that difficulty curve, which is a breach of the game's EULA and uh, also considered a, a workaround of, of something that they want you to spend real money on. So, of course, this is legal and encouraged, but it's, it's so discouraging how much more greedy video games are than they were before. Yeah. This follows up a previous story that we did not talk about, but it was a little interesting to me because it's related to Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Ubisoft did a uh, moderation number on player-created custom campaigns um, that were designed to give you an exploit of easy leveling and easy XP uh, because that game also features microtransactions that can help smooth out a difficulty curve of enemies that are awfully leveled above where you're going to be in the main quest. This is something that was a big roadblock for me when I was playing this game. I had to talk to someone in Twitch chat to figure out a fun way to keep myself busy and maintain my way through the leveling curve, which was a weird, kind of out-of-the-way 
checklist task of completing locations that that have you stealing treasure and killing captains and forts in the game. But if you follow the main quest and do a couple side quests in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, you're eventually gonna hit a wall that will give you a subconscious, subliminal pull towards the microtransaction shop. Unless you you grind your way through some checklisty secondary secondary objectives that, that the Twitch viewer had to inform me of that makes it feel a lot smoother. The game's still so incredibly long and so repetitive and grindy despite that, even though it is fun. But they uh, banned stuff that was was exploiting and cheating this system that they made that they stand to have a profit motive. There's so many things that just make me sad when thinking about video games like the the microtransactions the always online stuff the uh the the anti-sjw propaganda that's so popular with the kids these days like there's it's just a bummer uh, yeah it's yeah no words like like the combination of all of the above, the the creative bankruptcy of it, AAA franchises that go on forever, AAA studios that are only making like six to eight games nowadays anyway, the the overinflated budgets of it, the executive overpay, it's it genuinely just makes games less fun. Or maybe I really am old and and the kids still enjoy them as much as I used to. I think a lot of them are able to just block it out and a lot don't realize that it was, it used to be better. I, and that does sound like an old person's thing, but it mm-hmm, did yeah. kind of used to be better. Yeah. Oh. There's a lot of culture about things now that just like back in the day would have been unacceptable. Like would have rosen pitchforks and pyres to burn people for suggesting such nonsense sometimes. I just can't help but shake the feeling that that in the previous Rome Total War game I was playing, yes, the graphics were worse, but there was a greater level of polish and coherency to the whole experience that's not there in the latest version. Have you guys had issues with Joy-Con drift on your Nintendo Switches? I have actually not. What about you, Matt? No. What, hold up. What is Joy-Con drift? It's when the... Um, it's the new Fast and the Furious movie. <laughs> it's, it's when the analog sticks are, are moving when you're not touching it. Um, I've seen a glitch similar to this happen in Wargroove, but not in any other games. So I'm wondering how common the problem really is. The three of us only can have anecdotal experience, but Nintendo... Yes. Hey, it Mine doesn't charge properly at all. At all. So there's still something. Yeah, yeah, there's they're not working correctly for sure. Like, yeah, yeah. Joy cons are for as much as I like them ergonomically, they are internally yeah, they're trash. Uh, trash. And for as as awesome and wonderful and incredibly successful as the Switch console has been, I think we have all commented on how the build quality feels a little below oh, Nintendo's sure. usual standard. Feels one little drop and it's gone. <laughs> It's gone. Yeah, but ergonomically, I think yeah. it's very nice. Uh, Nintendo is facing a class action lawsuit over this. Um, filed in the United States, they're alleging that Joy-Con controllers are defective because after time, they can begin drifting, causing movement from an analog stick even if the user is not controlling it at the time. 
Um, they are seeking more Nintendo Switch fans in the U.S. to join in the class action lawsuit. So there is an online forum you can fill out with a few simple questions, such as asking the age of your Switch and your Joy-Con, when the drifting problem begins occurring, and whether Nintendo has been made aware. Uh, Nintendo declined to comment on the lawsuit. I, I guess if this is something that you are facing, you can you can fill out their forms and get a little bit of money out of it if they win. Yeah, and it's little. Don't don't expect the. A... A huge. I'm I'm thinking of filling out the forms to see if I qualify for that uh, 120 bucks for the Equifax breach. I could I could spend that on on a game and some groceries. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> one quarter of a health insurance. Yeah, that's like uh, a visit to the doctor for me. 120. A visit. Jeez. All right. Jesus. I'm being specific here. I'm not talking about blood tests or anything. <laughs> That's that's how it is, man. The, the, the listeners know already. I've been on like two rants at least. <laughs> <laughs> let's 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 brighten up the attitude with 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 some questions. Yeah, yeah. Hey, 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 hey. If you want to best types, if you want to cheer ooh, us ooh, up. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Are you a monkey? Just just, <laughs> just before we dive into this, I just I, I promised I would mention it. Uh, big shout out to. Somebody I thought, and all three of us thought, would murder me uh, before tonight. Oh, okay. Oh, no. To Franklin, who is a dad or son, listener of the show, who uh, messaged me on Twitter asking if I would like to meet him in Kyoto, which is always a, you know, lovely and partially scary message to get from anybody you've never met before. But shout out to Franklin. Hey Liam, you want to meet him, Gildo? You want you want to you want to come eat chicken with me? No, thank you, Franklin. I promised I would give you your fair dues on the show. Thank you so much for the the beers and the food. And also, before we jump in more to correspondence from our lovely audience, I will be at PAX West. Oh, you will be going. I will be going. To pa- uh, Papa Liam is coming to America. I am living Eddie Murphy's dream, and I'm coming to America. Pax West, Seattle, I'll be there. If you are a listener of the show, I will be at Pax West. Please come find me. Come talk to me. I might also have my boss, Dylan Cuthbert, with me, who made Star Fox. So that's interesting. Come, come find us at Pax because I'd be intrigued to meet some of you. Anyway. Every time I meet someone like that, uh, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> 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 like, I didn't play Star Fox, so... <laughs> I, I generally enjoy meeting fans. I, I tend to have, like, a, a nice, like, like, lunch or something with them. You know, props, though, for actually asking permission and scheduling it ahead of time and not just approaching me in an airport oh no 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 not that story again no 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 no, no. yeah let's 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 uh let's move on from that story to uh they're a good friend they're a good they're in they're, they're a nice yeah. respectful fans out there that's, Franklin, that's, that's you, were, you right. were one of them not airport person don't don't stalk your favorite podcast and youtube celebrities kids uh uh <laughs> it, it de- definitely just youtube i <laughs> I'm sure the McElroy <laughs> brothers and Joe Rogan, I'm sure they have stalkers. Well, 
Yeah, but there's a difference between Joe Rogan and us. That's famous. <laughs> <laughs> because they're worth a damn. I mean, he had, he had Neil Tyson come on on his podcast. All right. I can't wait for like the day Matt is like eating at his favorite sushi restaurant and some dude just walks up to him and was like, You're Matt Visual. And you're like, Oh. No, I'm shit. not. <laughs> It happened in Atlanta a few times when I was when I was working at Micro oh, Center. Oh yeah, that's right. At Micro Center, yeah. Don't do that, guys. Don't approach them without letting them know first. No, 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 no. no it was fine. It was uh, unexpected. They didn't know that I worked there. They're like, oh. Well, even if it is, it's like. No, I don't care. I don't care, guys, at all. Yeah. Uh, uh, George I, does. I, I, well, you know, I've had my airport girl story, so that's. That, that definitely... Approach with a knife with George. <laughs> yeah. Hey! Is for your own protection. If you want to send us questions, comments, and suggestions, <laughs> then log on to the internet and type out an email to dadandsonspodcast at gmail.com. Oh, man. Here we go again. We've got one from Aubrey G. Oh, Aubrey. Aubrey's cool. Aubrey's cool. Hey, boys, you said you needed some questions, so here's a random one. What is the earliest memory of what you wanted to be when you grew up? Did you ever try to pursue that dream <gasps> at the time? I have a very good answer to this. Yes, let's, I know let's hear exactly it. exactly what I wanted to be. Other than making games, of course. But when I was a kid, that wasn't a realistic possibility. Because everybody would tell you, you can't make any fucking money out of video games. Yet a kid won $3 million this week for winning a Fortnite tournament. Anyway, <laughs> regardless of that, I wanted to be... Now, don't Google this, you two. Okay. This is That's really hard for me to resist the temptation because, you know, I'm, I'm Googling like everything we talk about. I wanted to be a herpetologist. Herpetologist? Oh, I want to work on okay. herpes. Guess it. Don't Google it. Yeah, first guess is a herpy doctor. Of course. That, of course. Get the, get the natural <laughs> one out of the way. No, it's not. It's a type of animal. It's a type of animal. Uh, a harp doctor. You, you work on the strings as they break. Don't Google it. I can fucking hear you. No, harp. That would be a harpetologist. I'm just trying to avoid it. Alright. Her- like, I'm trying to think of the Greek, like, Hermes plus... I, you are not that smart, don't no, you? No, I'm not. I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's a person who studies reptiles. Wow. Oh. I never would have guessed that. So, like, snakes and lizards. So, when I was a kid, of course, my hero, Big Steve Owen, coming from the land down under to brighten our lives and teach us about crocodiles and and snakes and mm. spiders and stuff may he rest in peace exactly he was my hero and um there was another guy a guy called mark mark hughes maybe his name was he had a show on discovery that was and he was a herpetologist but he was a british guy and he worked at a university in the uk as a herpetologist and for years and years and years i knew i wanted to be a herpetologist i had pet snakes and i wanted to go study at his university for years and years and years. But then it all changed and I didn't do that. I ended up going to do animation. And my first day of animation in college, I was in the media room and the big TV was on for my first ever lecture. And it was like ticker tape at the bottom, BBC News, breaking news. Steve Owen's dead. Oh no. And then my dream died that oh, day. Oh no. Oh no. But I enjoyed it. I, I still have a very, I not so much anymore, but I have a great fondness for snakes and when I was a kid, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Like, it's super weird thinking back on it, but I, that's all I wanted to do. Of course, make games, but, you know, your parents tell you, 
that's not a real job. But then studying ant reptiles was fine by my parents. But yeah, no, that was definitely my earliest memory of what I wanted to do. Like 100% was like dead sir. That's a, a, a fun thing for a kid to picture. I, I imagine it branches off into all sorts of interesting... I remember like... making PowerPoint presentations trying to convince my parents to let me have a pet snake. <laughs> you made a PowerPoint presentation? Yeah. That's that's some next level stuff. Wow. And it worked. What? It w- I wish I was that smart. It works. I got my pet snake, Roxy. Roxy. Pet snake. Roxy was a royal python. She was adorable. I remember a Wii, a Wii U commercial where kids put together a PowerPoint presentation trying to convince their parents to buy them a Wii U, and it was played off like a silly joke that would only happen in fiction. Well, those kids' PowerPoint probably sucks then. Jeez, I feel I feel inadequate now. It's all about the presentation. Matt, what did you want to be when you grew up? A sidekick on a podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> you and me both, Matt. We achieved that dream together. I wouldn't say anything too interesting. Pretty basic. Um, this is because I was mesmerized by like games. Like I grew up with it. Being able to create something and put that on a TV would be nuts to me as a kid. Like thinking about it, and I, I did go to college for a bit for it. So like I pursued that and then that didn't. But yeah, I I. Th- that's the only thing I can really think of that I really tried to pursue. Because, I mean, you have thoughts all the time about what you would like to be when you're in high school or a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I wasn't really uh, at a young age. I didn't. There was like other things on my mind at the time. I don't know. Before I wanted to be a, a video games journalist. I, the very first thing I wanted to be when I grew up was a fighter pilot. Wow. Yeah, I thought planes were super cool for, for like a good chunk of my childhood. And... Can you imagine George doing the George scream while flying a plane? <laughs> <laughs> They're like listening in and shooting, shooting down a drone or something like. <laughs> you know, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, like. I think for my kids, I'm going to make sure they have different things in front of them to to show like there's different jobs, you know, like, oh, you can be an astronaut. You can be a doctor. Um, You can be you can be anything you want, be anything you want, because I I don't think I had that as a kid. And I think that's why. So I had to, like, make up my own stuff because I definitely didn't want to be an astronaut as a kid. (laughs) I don't know why, but I just didn't want I didn't want to be the whole doctor astronaut stuff. I wanted to create as a kid. So, but I wanted, I, I definitely should uh, do that for my kids later on. What was the like job you thought was the coolest job? Like not coolest in the sense, like being a game designer or like an astronaut or making films or whatever. Right. But a job you thought, man, that is a sweet gig. I always thought working in a comic book store would be the <laughs> sweetest gig in the world. Yeah. <laughs> There was a store, there was a store near me called Level One, and it was like a video game, Warhammer comic book store, and I always thought like, working in there would be the sweetest gig in the world when I was a kid. That's like so very illustrative of the differences between childhood and adulthood. Yeah. Probably. Now you wouldn't catch me dead. Probably a music store. In one. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah, right? A music store. When I would go in there and buy my CDs, because I, God, man, I love music then, I love music now. See, right? I'd play drums for a bit. I guess the thing is, as a kid, you haven't yet experienced what soul-crushing repetition is like. Yeah. Because, like, a day a week working a store would be great. It's the 40-hour grind that turns it into oh, the retail. such a chore. Yeah. The variety of people, which is fun and bad at the same time. Like, I, I just remember how, how much that hit me hard after my first three days or so working a summer job. I was like, oh, my God, I... I'm doing the same thing every day for eight hours at a time. I can't do it. No fulfillment. I started to get antsy. Harlan K asks, Dear Dad and Sons, can you eat the beans inside of a beanbag chair? Yes. Wait, what? You can? No, I don't. I have no idea. I just want them to try. <laughs> Nick D asks, Dear Dad and Sons, what's up with the special feeling that comes from buying games on the first day of release? Do you feel like anything is lost when a game is bought on sale a few months later? Not for me. I definitely am somebody who applies to that. I definitely feel... I'm getting ready for a rant. I definitely feel like the lust of the the hype train. I like the hype train. Whether it's wrong or right, I still like it. I still like right now being a part of everybody's Fire Emblem hype. I like being able to be a part of that. But I don't think anything's lost buying a game on sale later because by then you already don't care. But there are games I feel like I won't pick up, even though I wanted to initially. Like Super Mario Maker 2, probably not going to buy Mario Maker 2 now. Even if it goes on sale, it feels like, to me, that boat has passed. Yeah. I want to say that this special feeling you're talking about is absolutely a well-documented phenomenon that really does exist. There's this old like philosopher type guy named John Baudrillard who developed this this concept of how people really do get a sense of pleasure that uh comes from from consuming things and yeah, uh, you have an incentive to buy games new now especially now in the age of social media where you can engage in a conversation with the community as everyone discovers it at the same time and it's a legitimately cool thing that that I have felt many times and um yeah. And the FOMO, the FOMO is real, man. That's it's a sense of discovery, like like walking into the unknown with hundreds of other people at the same time. Like you totally lose out on something if you weren't there playing Dark Souls in the very beginning. When when people didn't really know how to how to do Sin's Fortress, what was in store at Sin's Fortress. And I I wish I was there for that. Like I think I think in recent memory, like when everybody was bought a switch and was playing breath of the wild yeah like everybody was playing breath of the wild and it was a, it was like a moment in time i would not be surprised if it's just a legitimately objectively different experience playing breath of the wild a year after launch than during launch i don't think i don't think it's ever detrimental to the game ever i don't think it is i think it's detrimental to the 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 culture landscape of something the game never changed you don't feel like a game is better just because everybody else is playing it and everyone's excited about it a game's good or a game's not good breath of the wild is the same game but the excitement you feel about it could be different yeah and the excitement that you feel i feel like genuinely alters your reality like the emotional soup that you begin you know how when you wake up bad and it makes the whole day bad yeah like like yeah, it's like I, that I know, your, your emotions determine say. how much fun you're gonna have that day but and i'm like playing final fantasy 14 right now and i'm not 
anywhere near where everybody else is, and I'm still loving the shit out of it. Well, that's a that's a game that's live. Many people are doing what you're doing right now. Mm, yeah, but I'm I'm not really reading about that though. I think I outlined my predictions for Death Stranding and how it's supposed to be this big, massive scale co-op event. That would totally fold right into it. Like that would be a game that would like sell timeliness as one of its features. Dark Souls being is like there. That. Yeah, for for like a big cooperative run in the beginning, before the mm. Wikipedia is fully developed, before you can just look up cheat codes and when you uh, can talk to, to friends and... Watch all the cutscenes on YouTube. And when you can talk to friends and they actually care about what you have to say, <laughs> like that's, that is a different experience. Um, I mean, for me, it's not worth it because I, I like saving money more than I, more than I like that feeling, but that definitely is a real feeling. Playing Dark Souls was, should I say Demon Souls? So, and I mean, they're all the same. They're all the same. When I was playing it at launch, it was fun. Mm. I got that with Bloodborne. But when I played it later, I, I, you know, you miss seeing people fall and die and, and having someone like jump in with you to fight somebody. You miss all that. You know, it's nice being involved with that first rush of Bloodborne. But it's 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 also nicer for me to to put away some money in the savings account. <laughs> yeah, the the Sekiro the Sekiro thing this year definitely everybody and discovering Sekiro at the same time that was fun was not bad not interesting. interesting okay <laughs> yeah are you feeling that now with three houses actually like have you gotten in a good Twitter yeah. conversation with someone where you both are like yeah. excited about what you're uncovering it, it, it's it's an it's an like I don't know why more people don't do this like everybody talks about three houses but it's always the same thing it's the what house did you choose and it's great it's like the best social mm. media strategy of all time Hyper. because people get to talk about it it's like pokemon like whether they meant to or they didn't right you know choosing a starter is like an asian question that people are just going to talk about with every new pokemon forever and fire Mom three houses is like nobody talks about like the gameplay they just talk about what house did you choose and what characters do you have high supports in? Nobody could give a fuck about anything else. It's hyper-reality. That's what, that's what Baudrillard called it. And, you know, we use that term in games to talk about art styles that look prettier than reality. And that's what that's what he thought it was like living in a reality where... That's what Fire Emblem is not. Ah, it's drab. Mm. Yeah, if, if your reality is being made better by the emotional experiences of consuming products, then then John Baudrillard would claim that you are living in a hyper-reality, which is what you're buying into in a lot of times with these things. Anyways. Cool. I embrace my hyper-reality. You know, we're all kind of guilty of it if we're into video games, aren't we? True. Mm, I criticize society, yet we live in it. Ha! And with that, that's uh, that's what we got for today, guys. Yeah, we definitely have a lot of fun questions to get to next week. Next week we'll be doing the Twitter segment too, so keep an eye out on our Twitter accounts for uh, fun questions we're going to be blasting through during next week's intro because we won't be talking about gamer goo next week. <laughs> Wait, no, unless it becomes a thing now, unless this is a new inside joke we've created, gamer goo, or unless David Hater responds to us. Oh, maybe we could get David Hayter to make an advert for Gamergoo. Oh, no. They, we, we, we don't know these people. We don't know these people. We don't know Gamergoo. We're like... Gamergoo, give us $1,000 to make an advert for David Hayter. <laughs> David Hayter needs to take our money. Gamergoo needs to give us money that we can give David Hayter. <laughs> and the world carried on. The cycle has continued. <laughs>